Hello and welcome to Sky Blues Fans TV. Today, myself, Glenn Watkin, I'm speaking to Ben Rowley, who is a Stoke City fan, who also runs his own podcast called The YYY Files. Hello, Ben, and welcome for joining us today. Um, just tell us a bit about yourself and obviously the podcast that you do. Okay, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, hey up, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben. I've been a Stoke fan for, I want to say, getting on for 12 years now or so. I was um, had a season ticket for around six years, so about half of that now. Um, and I just fell in love with Stoke because of the crowd and the atmosphere, basically. At, at the time, we were the loudest fans in England back in our Premier League days. And that's what I fell in love with. And I went to more and more games and got more and more involved. And these days, I'm running a podcast where I interview Stoke fans um, and that's all it exclusively is. It's probably not similar to to a typical podcast, to a typical podcast like this, where you talk about what happens before and after matches. Um, I just interview fans, almost like maybe Joe Rogan style, <laughs> that, that sort of thing, um, interviewing them about their experience following Stoke. Um, and then I'm also on the Stoke Supporters Council, so I I meet with the board on a semi regular basis just to talk through things going on at the club and how the match day experience can be improved and things like that. Um, and like I say, I'm a season ticket holder now. I'm not local anymore. I, I was born and raised in Stoke, but I now live in, well, I now live in Sully Hall, but I work in Nuneaton. So I'm probably closer to your end, but I regularly go back to watch games. I'm still just obsessed as ever. So yeah, I've got um, family from my dad's side who obviously live up in Stoke and are Stoke fans. So I've been up to watch a few Stoke games back in the Premier League days. Um, obviously, I saw you guys beat um, Liverpool 6-1 in Gerrard's last game. Um, so we just got up. I used to go and watch, obviously, when Cobb were away and had a bit of free time and go up and watch them. So, yeah, um, always a lovely bunch of fans. Always love the place. Stoke people in general. I work with people from Stoke as well. Lovely bunch of people. Um, and really good, really good away following. Um, obviously, I think the last time you came to the Rico, as it was then, was the FA Cup third round tie. Um, you obviously bought, I think it was yes. about 5,000 away fans. Um, obviously, you lost that day. Mark Hughes got sacked on the coach. What kind of went wrong that season? Because obviously, did, you got yeah. relegated that season. What what was kind of gone? Were you on a downward spiral for a couple of years? Or was it just like a sudden decline, really? Um it's it's not something that Stoke fans ever got to the root of, really, I, I don't think. Um, it, possibly a combination of a bunch of things, to be fair. But I think from a team perspective, what happened is um, we had that Tony Pulis team, of course, that was very defensive, very hardworking, very, very rough. I think a lot of fans would say, home and away fans would say that. And then we brought in Mark Hughes, who brought this... Uh, we crowned ourselves Stoke Alona when we were beating teams like Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City, Arsenal. We were beating them on a you know fairly regular basis, especially at home. Um, and we became this Stoke Alona outfit. Um, but little by little, bit by bit, over Mark Hughes' five-year reign, he sort of 
threw the baby out of the bathwater and lost that Tony Pulis foundation. The sweet spot was when Hughes was bringing in people like Bojan, uh, Shakiri, Mark Ranautovic, players like that. Um, but he wasn't replacing the likes of Ryan Shawcross, who slowly lost his place in the team, Glenn Whelan, um, other players like this, Jonathan Walters, who were all very hardworking, and we lost that blend um, that saw us so successful. And we became just this team that was way too easy to beat. We were regularly losing 4-5-6-0, and that was it. It ultimately culminated in our relegation. We, we sacked Hughes. In, in sort of the bit where it's too late and too early to sack a manager in the season, you know, so we sacked him too late. We should have really brought in someone earlier than around Christmas time. I think we sacked him. Obviously, it was the game with you guys in the cup. Um, and then we 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 sacked him at a time where, you know, if, if well, if you're not going to sack him till Christmas, keep him till the end of the season because we brought in Paul Lambert and that was no good either. So that that's what, caused our capitulation we were signing players that didn't didn't have the right mentality to be a Stoke player and it's only taken us till honestly this season to get rid of 90% of those players with a bad attitude players like Sada Barahino players like Kevin Vimmer players like Baduan Dai Peter Otebo I could go on and on Jesse Rodriguez um you know, you might have heard of some of those names, just all with bad attitudes, unfortunately, and and they they really weighed the club down. And and this is this is the culmination of that. Here we are in in the championship once again. Yeah, I think I've heard a few stories about Imbula, who I remember seeing him. I think hmm. one game, I think it was the end of the season. You beat West, I think you beat West Ham two one, and he scored a cracking finish. But then I heard stories that it was oh, he's a great off. player. Walking off in training Absolutely sessions, Absolutely great player, and, and that just that sets alarm bells ringing. Is it is it safe to say? Obviously, you said Hughes went. Did you need a manager like you've got now, like Mark Michael O'Neill, who would go back to basics, make you hard to beat and solid? Maybe was that what what you you kind of went too far the other way now? And you've kind of had obviously you had Rowett and Nathan Jones, and neither of them really really hit it. But I think Michael O'Neill seems to have hit the spot, but he's been very unlucky with injuries. I think hasn't he? I think you're right. Yeah, basically. Paul Lambert, I think, did try and send us back to basics, but we didn't have the players to be able to cope with that. We had a very young Kurt Zuma. You're talking five years ago now. He was only just, you know, becoming a regular at a team like West Ham. I know he was in that Chelsea team last year, but, um, you know, he, he was only just starting to find his feet as a footballer in the Premier League. And he, despite a good start, the reputation weighed down on him. We were playing players like Mam Juf, who was a striker. We were playing him at right back because we didn't have anybody there of any grit or determination. We had Glenn Johnson, but he was over the hill and, and to be honest, couldn't care less. Um, we brought some players in from abroad and they just, just, just didn't do it for us. We were playing Peter Crouch up front every game and lumping it to him, which is fine when that's a plan B, but when it's a plan A in a game. Very, very easy to mark. You double mark him and your mark is running beyond him and that's it. You're out of the game. It's exactly what happened. Um, so we didn't really have the personnel to stay up either way, whether it was back to basics or by doing it, you know, through 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 a, a flare way almost. We needed a bit of a blend in between. We were after a few managers. We were after managers like Gary Rowett, who we eventually got. I reckon he would have kept us up. We were after managers like Kike Sanchez-Flores. We were after him. Didn't get him. 
hell, there was even talks at the time about Graham Potter, who was an ex-Stoke player and really wanted to come back to the club at the time. We turned him down. I think Martin O'Neill at the time was rumoured to come as well. He never came. Paul Lambert was fourth or fifth choice. And he and he was delighted with that. And so he should have been, you know, he shouldn't really been anywhere near that team. Um, but yeah, that's that's what happened. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but wrong managers, wrong time, wrong players as well. So obviously Michael O'Neill came in to replace uh, Nathan Jones, who obviously was quite successful at Luton. He, he, him alongside Mark Robbins were kind of bringing the clubs back from the brink of of non-existence, really, when they're in big trouble. Um, so obviously Michael O'Neill comes in. He's obviously renowned for his Northern Ireland side, solid, etc. Last season you were doing really well, um, but then obviously you had a few injuries, didn't you? Um, Tyrese Campbell got injured. Um, and I think, I can't remember who else got injured. There was a couple of injuries and that kind of just put the wheels off you and you never really recovered, did, did you? Is there a worry that that's the same thing going to happen again this season? Because obviously you've lost Harry, Harry Souter, um, Romain Sawyers is out, I think, for a while, isn't he? Nick Powell struggling. You seem to be obviously picking up injuries. Is that a worry? And I don't think, from what I've read today, that Michael O'Neill is going to have money in terms of transfer fees to go and bring replacements in, is he? I think it's free transfers or loans, isn't it? It's going to be something like that, yes. Um, yeah, I think it's more worrying this season, to be honest, because we've got so many of them. Um, but teams with COVID last season, everybody had injuries. I think we had possibly injuries to more critical players, but I think every team had six, seven, eight, nine injuries. So everybody struggled. But this season, we just have more injuries and injury. Well, we've got a triple threat. We've got more injuries than anybody else, I'd, I'd wager. We've got more injuries to better players than anyone else, I'd wager. And we've also got probably more midfielders, for example, injured than anyone else, I'd wager. We've got Iraq and four midfielders out with long-term injuries. That's just not good enough. And then our first-team goalkeeper, Joe Bursic, our best defender, Harry Suter, um, Abdel Asima, who we've not been able to see up front yet. He's been injured until very recently. Uh, players like Tyrese Campbell has only just come back from injury. You mentioned Nick Powell already, who's potentially our best player. He's been out for a month and will be out for another month, I reckon. So we have really struggled, but we did some great work in the summer. We brought in some really useful players and we now have squad depth, which is why we are still in the playoffs, I think. And it's something that, as I'm sure we'll come on to, sort of separates teams like Stoke, I think, this season from others like a, like a Coventry and perhaps even like a Blackburn or a Huddersfield, right? I think perhaps some of your players are better now is in certain positions. And I could say that about most teams who are in and around the playoffs, but Stoke have decent replacements in reserve. You know, if you think of our midfield six or seven, we've got Romain Sawyers, Joe Allen, Sam Klukas, uh, Nick Powell, Mario Vrancic, Jordan Thompson. You know, the, there's so many great players in there. Up front, we've got five great strikers. Um, in defence, we were able to bring Danny Barton, who, yeah, is over the hill a little bit, but he's, uh, I think he won player of the month for Stoke last season. And he's been a great direct replacement for Harry Suter, being that big defender at the back. Um, even in goal, you know, Joe Bursick was our starting goalkeeper. I think he's the England under 21 goalkeeper these days. But Adam Davis just got man of the match against uh, QPR last week. And 
I, I know he can't really go off this, but he uh, he scored a perfect 10 on who scored. So it, 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 it we have squad depth. Despite them not being the best players, it means we can sort of, pardon the pun, limp our way through December, hopefully have a couple of players back in the new year, do some work in January, as you say. I don't know if we need world beaters, really. We just need someone to tick us over till the other players come back, because otherwise we're going to have a big squad again. And we suffered with that before. So I think so long as we can limp our way through January, and I think now there's only three games left in December, maybe four, I think we'll be all right. And if we're in the playoffs come 2022 starts, I I reckon we could stay there. Yeah, I think you've got you've had some good results this season um, and you're always hard at home to play, anyone playing there. And I think if you look at it, like you said, the injuries you've had, you got four points against QPR and Middlesbrough, which is probably a good return. And I think now what you said, what's happened to you, QPR have got a lot of injuries. Obviously, they've got COVID. The two games have been postponed now. Um, they've got players going off off to the African nations while well. they're going to lose three players. I think Stoke um, will probably can get by because you're right, you've got experience coming in. It's not like you're throwing youngsters in. And to be fair, you've got some good youngsters. Um, I think, was it last season or the season before last, you, you made the FA Youth Cup final, didn't you? The youth yeah, team. I think yeah. you're right. Yes, we've got some great players. If um, if anyone's not seen a clip of Emre Tezgal, he's a 15-year-old striker. Uh, think of Turkish descent, but he plays for, uh, I think he plays for England and he plays in our under-21s. He's a 15-year-old. Um, he's, he's scored two goals in our 2-0 win over the Man City Academy recently. Just, it's on the Stoke Twitter somewhere. Go back and watch that. He, he's an incredible young player and if he's not playing for a Premier League club in a couple of years, he'll be playing for us, no doubt. Um, just obviously a player who's played for us last season and this in Stoke this season, Leo Ostergaard. How's he settled in? Because he's not played much recently. Has he been injured or is it he just kind of had other people overtake him? I thought you'd ask about him. Um, I, I really like Leo Ostergaard. He played the majority of the minutes at the start of the season when we had our settled back three of Ostergaard, Suter and Ben Wilmot. And that really worked. Ben Wilmot is a right-footed player and wasn't the greatest on the left-hand side, but you know what? With with him as a ball-playing defender, Harry Suter as this, you know, big, brute of a defender who can also play. And then Ostergaard being this almost weird blend of the two, you know, like a like a seven out of ten brute and a seven out of ten ball player, neither neither end of that scale. Um, it really worked. Unfortunately, with with, with the injuries, O'Neill has taken it upon himself to go. I can't play Ostergaard at the moment. He 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 wants the experience in there, so he's playing players like Danny Bart, as we mentioned, as a replacement for Harry Suter. He's playing Ben Wilm- He's playing Ben Wilmot. I think rather because he's ours rather than on loan, like. Ostergaard is and then he's either playing James Chester with the amount of experience he has plenty of it or he's playing Morgan Fox who has experience at this level um Ostergaard was very good for you last season I appreciate that and he's been very good for us too um I I wish he was in the team but I can understand why perhaps he's not in at the expense of a couple of other players when you know Danny Bart just isn't the most mobile player and maybe he wants 
Um, Morgan Fox is a left back by trade. So perhaps he just wants a bit more mobility. Ben Wilmot's quite mobile too. Maybe he sees Ostergaard as, as someone who is, is more of a Danny Bart player in case he gets injured. So I don't understand entirely what's going on for him. I really like him as a footballer and I wish he was playing more. And I'm sure he would be had we had all our options available. But at the moment, I don't think he's going to make the team this year. Yeah, he's an interesting one. He had a bit of a rough start to us, but he's such a he's so good in the air uh, on, on attack, attacking situations and defensive situations. And he he his form probably from January onwards, he really really hit form. And I think there was a bit of a surprise that he ended up at Stoke. I think a lot of people thought he might have got a run at a run at uh, Brighton, but then obviously they seem to have got Shane Duffy back in, and he's kind of got the nod on it. Um, but yeah, he's he's a like I say, I think Cough fans love the guy to bits. He's really, really good attitude and, and his heart on his sleeve. So, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't. I thought him and Stoke would be a perfect blender, so to speak, on it. Um, but, yeah, it, it doesn't. I, the one thing I'll say is from his experience, I don't think he'll sit on the bench. Um, I know he went into Mark Robbins's office last season when he wasn't playing and, and kind of said, why am I not playing? Um, so yeah, I don't think he's, he's he's quite vocal in his opinions. I'll, I'll say that on it. Um, looking forward to um, Saturday's game. Which cough players would you say stand out for you as who you're worried about causing Stoke problems? Oh, see, it's <laughs> um, usually I'd be saying Callum O'Hare and Victor Yakarez. Um but your form's dipped recently. I think any cough fan will admit that. Um, I know that there's been some. Perhaps unfair. I don't know. I've I've not really watched a lot of him. A, a lot of pelters come at O'Hare's way. I don't know what your stance is on it, Glenn. But you know, sometimes these these young players, a bit like a Jack Grealish of old, I think he's been described as, can go through patches like this. Um, but unfortunately, it is at the cost of of results for you guys sometimes. Um, so and and the same with Yakarez. You know, it sounds like he transformed himself from what you had last season to the start of this season but perhaps maybe he's drifting back into what he was. Again, I've not seen an awful lot of you, so it's hard to be able to say, but from the outside in, the amount of goals that Yakrez was providing at the start of the season was was just sensational. And then, you know, O'Hare seems like that sort of player that can do anything on his day. The only thing I worry about this game coming up is Matt Gordon, simply because the amount of goals you seem to be scoring in injury time, the goals he's popping up with, I can just see a 94th minute winner for you guys. It just just through the way that we're, you know, our, our, our team is not able to rotate much. I can see us getting fatigued. And with the way that you guys are able to come into your own in towards those last minutes of the game, I can see it being a bit of a scrappy affair. And then you nicking it at the end. I hope that doesn't happen because, uh, as I was saying, a lot of my colleagues are cov fans um so i'll be i'll be getting it in the neck if you guys do win um but i and here's a stat for you as well not that you particularly care or it has any bearing at all um in all the years that i've seen stoke play i've never seen them win away in the league and i am going to this game so there's your good omen for you <laughs> Um, but no, I think uh, Callum has played a lot of football for us. He basically featured in every game last season. He's not missed a league game this season. I think Victor Gokarez, yeah, he he was at a level above what he is. And he's he obviously got a quite nasty injury away at Blackburn where he, his ankle swelled up like a golf ball. 
Um, but yeah, I think Godin is a good pick. Godin is on form. Um, Todd Kane is the other one who's been flying and putting crosses in. But you would, I would think, putting loads of balls in the box with your back three, they're pretty all good in the air. So I think that might not be as effective as it maybe was against Huddersfield on on Saturday. Um, in, in terms of the Stoke players, who's been the standout player this season? Who would you say is kind of the unsung hero who's kind of gone under the radar and maybe not got the plaudits that other people have? I'm glad you asked that because all the obvious options are injured. <laughs> I'm talking about players like, you know, Nick Powell, who's still our top goal scorer, despite only playing, I think, a third of the season. Um, and then Harry Suter has been absolutely immense as well. Um, it's a shame that he got injured because I, I think he's genuinely the best centre-back in the league. Definitely Premier League quality. Um, I think Tommy Smith has gone under the radar big time at right back. I think uh, per minutes played, he's got some of the best chances created per 90. Um, and that, that, that from a right wing back who last season, there was nothing to write home about. Um, that's great from our point of view. We seem to have been less influential down the right-hand side in recent weeks, and I wonder whether it's it's the change in centre-back personnel that's affected that. I'm not sure, but a lot of the team hangs on Tommy Smith because we've got nobody to replace him, really. He's, he's the only position where we're really light on. You know, um, it's either uh, Demiarco Duhaney who comes in, who's a 22-year-old free agent that we've got in the summer on a very short-term deal. Um, or it's Tom Ince, who we've not seen, you know, properly have the light of day since, I want to say, two years ago. Um, we have got a very talented local right-back coming back off loan from New York Red Bulls in January, so we're sort of waiting for him. But at the moment, this Stoke team, barring the obvious names like Mario Vrancic maybe, um, Tommy Smith is, is the one we're hanging our hat on big time. Yeah, I think um, he's he's done quite well. I've read a bit about him. And obviously, I think the other lad who's been doing quite well for you is, is it Josh Tyman, who's the left wing back who you had off yeah. Hall. He seems to have kicked on. I, I know he was always around and there was a lot of debate with Stoke fans that I'd seen um, about whether he was good enough. But I think this season, he's definitely kicked on for you guys, hasn't he? Raised the level up. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he was almost cast out the team. Um, when Nathan Jones came in, I think Tymon had one appearance at left back and he got subbed off before off time. He was just absolutely battered that game. And since then, he went on loan to uh, Portugal. And I think the team he went on loan to were predicted to go down. And for quite the majority of the season, they were top of the league. Um, he, he did very well there. And since COVID, he, he, he changed his diet, he changed his training technique, he really worked hard and he's earned his place in this Stoke team. And now I've never seen somebody so run so fast and so hard. I've never seen a Stoke player perform so many nutmegs on players. Um, and that's not something I thought I'd be saying about this, you know, this 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 young left back from Hull. Um, absolutely great player now. Um, and he, he, again, has slipped under the radar. Both fullbacks have. They're very important to this 3-5-2 that we've been playing. Um, and if if they're marked out of the game, and that's how you would win, if you can keep Tommy Smith and Josh Diamond quiet, you've got a chance. Yeah, it'll be an interesting battle because obviously we've got Dabo, who's been pretty much our solid right wing back for ages. He's kind of tailed off a bit. Todd Kane's come from nowhere after being like totally cascaded by QPR, and QPR fans were saying they're glad to get the back, the see the back of him. And he's turned into this great attacking option for us. And then we've got 
obviously Ian Matson from Chelsea, who's been really, really good going forward. But then it's the dilemma of him defensively. And it'll be interesting. I, I think I'd rather play Matson against Smith because he's got a bit of pace and could get at him. But I've got a feeling we'll probably shoehorn Dabo in as a left, uh, right-footed left wing back, which probably doesn't help us as much. Um, just before we wrap up, Ben, um, just a few quick questions. Score prediction um, uh, for Saturday. And what do you think is a realistic aim for Stoke for the rest of the season? Do you think if they got the injured players back and maybe did some good business in January, is the top two a chance? Because Bournemouth have obviously tailed off a bit recently. Oh, don't tempt me. Um, I'll answer your first question first. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm confident about a Stoke win. Um, we've we've been very inconsistent this season. So d- don't put either Cov or Stoke in your ackers this week because we've been so up and down. We have always been so up and down, but particularly this season, you know, we've beaten teams like West Brom and absolutely pasted them. And then the, that time where we were three goals up against Cardiff and we drew 3-3 within five minutes, that was you know, shocking. So don't put us in your rackers. Um, but I'm going to go with, I think, a 2-0 Stoke win. Um, I'm, I'm quietly confident just because you guys are out of form, have been for a while. Um, and I think it's time for us to bounce back in, from what was a pretty boring game against Middlesbrough last weekend and, and such a good performance away at QPR as well. We seem to be better away from home than we have been since I can remember as a Stoke fan anyway. Um in terms of realistically where, where we finish, well, if we can beat guys like you, that proves to me that we can definitely finish in the top six. Um, if we can beat teams like, I think we've got Barnsley coming up, Derby coming up again. Um, you know, we've got some teams that are struggling coming up. Reading again, I think we've got. Um, you know, we're playing teams at good times with injuries and fatigue and what have you. So I'm hoping that we can take advantage of that. And if we can be within, I'm going to stick my neck out and say nine points of the top two, you can't rule it out. You know, if we're nine points of the top two by February, I don't think you can rule us out, but I think it's more likely with our inconsistency, with our injuries, because yes, we're getting players back, but it's just as likely that we get more players injured. So I'm going to say, as long as we don't have a, absolutely categorical nightmare with injuries again or we go on an absolutely abysmal run of form I reckon we'll finish in the top six maybe not go up by the playoffs there's some good teams on their day in there depends what players we have back by then but I, I'm i predicting playoffs after what has been a good first half of the season Yeah I think it's very similar to the West Brom game for us it's a game that if we win it's a massive fillet for us but it's a game you don't really want to lose and I think Stoke will take it. If they got a draw, I think they'd be happy. And that was the frustration with the West Brom game. We kind of threw the game away. We were 2-0 down. And once you're 2-0 down, they get the game's as, as good as done. So it'll be an interesting game. I say it'll be a good atmosphere. Uh, I, I would take a point now. But I think realistically, we're at home. We've got three in the next four at home. It's the same as, same as you said. We've got winnable games coming up against teams we notoriously do well against. I, I think we've got to look to win it. So... Thank you very much for joining us, Ben. Um, obviously, I'll post the pod out later today. Um, enjoy the game on Saturday and uh, hopefully cough win. But um, I'll, I'll be a bit, I'll take a draw. It'll save you some powders from your work colleagues. Um, so, yeah, enjoy the game, Ben. <laughs> thank and you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, play up, Sky Blues. <laughs>